Dear friends in Christ, welcome to this podcast from All Saints Episcopal Church in Portland. All Saints is a loving, welcoming parish serving Southeast Portland for over a century. Our purpose is to celebrate God's love, seek and serve Christ in all persons, and go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Today, we invite you to join the Reverend Constance Hammond as she preaches the gospel and explores the mysteries of God in our modern world. May the words of our mouths and the actions of our lives reflect the love of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this, this day, this Memorial Day. The day that united this country, our country, was the day the people of this country shared their grief as they honored the dead with flowers, hymns, and prayers by the graves of those who had died. That was the spring of 1865, following the Civil War, when more lives were lost than in any other conflict in the U.S. It was later in the 1860s that Memorial Day officially began, a day of remembering and honoring those who had died serving in the military, a day when the first national cemeteries were established. Memorial Day began on a different spring days in different states and different cities, finally settling on May 30th, as some of us may remember, until in 1971, Memorial Day became an official federal holiday on the last Monday of May, a day chosen in order for people to have a three-day holiday. And I believe that's your birthday. And this Memorial Day, are we, are we not sharing a national grief for all the children and adults who have been killed this past week, these past years? Not only are we sharing a grief for the horrific killings, but the anger and frustration that I can't help but think we all share at the just following orders, comments, that kept 19 police officers outside the classroom door as 19 children and two adults were shot to death inside the room. Thank God for the intervention of the Border Patrol that chose to disregard orders and opened the door. If any of us are having trouble sleeping, getting the carnage out of our minds, I wonder really how any of the officers who stayed outside that classroom, instead of doing their sworn duty to serve and protect, can ever, ever have a moment's peace again. How very, very difficult it will be for a city so closely knit knowing one another so very well to heal from the senseless killings, let alone the inactions 
of the police. I feel like a psalmist with only pleas to God for mercy, for an end to the insanity that has crept into our nation, for a light at the end of this very, very, very dark and very long tunnel. I feel like the tears that flow will never wash away the sins that have been perpetuated against our common humanity. We are a people who seemingly have lost our way, our trust in God and one another, and our ability to act when action is called for, to pray when prayer is needed, and our willingness to stand up for what is right, no matter the popular thing to do or to say. After all, we are Christians, and as Christians, we have been called to be active in our faith, to serve one another in Christ. Our nation was called a city of light on the hill, a place that called others to come for peace and justice and new beginnings. Our light has been dimmed, and our sense of peace and justice has certainly been damaged. How do we come out of this state of depression, this state of hopelessness, this state of anger and grief and emptiness? How do we move forward as one, not as a people divided, but as a people once more united in these United States of America? All, all is not lost, just jarred for a time. There are people working for the good of the nation, not just for what is good for them. There are people working together for what work for all, not just for themselves. We are called to join with them in whatever way we are able. And so we come to this Memorial Day weekend with broken hearts, to grieve for those lost in violence, and to remember those whom we grieve in our own lives, in our own personal ways. But it's a weekend to honor, not just to grieve. It's a weekend to give thanks to those who lived so we could live, who died so we might have a better and a safer life. It's a weekend for us to renew our pledge to do what we can in the name of Christ and in the name of our great nation to bring a balance and a peacefulness back to our lives. We, we are people of hope. And even in the most hopeless and lost feeling of days, we have Christ with us, inside us, grieving beside us, and showing us a way to move forward. It's a time when allowing any grief or any anger to flow so one's mind and heart can be allowed to be cleared, to receive and share the love that is innately within us, all of us. Jesus says in the Gospel of John that the love which you, God, have loved me, may be in them, 
and I in them. With all the hatred in the world, the key to our salvation, our healing, in fact, our very sanity, is love. Just as the first and great commandment requires us to love God, love our neighbor, and love ourselves, we are obliged to do exactly that. How on earth can we love our neighbor? Because that is not just the ones we like or admire or love, but that includes us all. All. Not only those who bring us joy, but those who offend, those who attack, those who break apart the peace of our lives with the crimes and hatred of their lives. We are called to recognize that each one of them is one of us and that we must strive to look for the goodness in others. When nothing is present in the other but illness, rage, and emptiness, then we must see ways that our community, city, state, and nation can and will provide for those individuals for their own safety and for the safety of the whole of our beings. We have a responsibility to vote for those who will bring about peace and justice for us all. And if that sounds political, perhaps it is, but in a way, it is a way of honoring those who died so that we could live in a morally responsible nation. Bishop Diana, in her recent diocesan letter referring to the mass murders in Uvalde, Texas, urged us in the diocese to do the following. In grave times of tragedy and evil, we read scripture twice as long as we spend reading the news, and I would add, watching television. I urge you to do so, and let us all continue in our prayers for those whose lives have been traumatized by this horrific act. Prayer matters. It makes a difference. Pray. In time, you will see how this is true. Fervent and consistent prayer is like a refiner's fire. Out of its crucible comes clarity and a call for action. Today, however, it is time to come together in prayer. The light of Christ shines ever so bright, and darkness will not overcome it. It may seem like these are just words, nicely read or spoken, but not really applicable in real life situations, in our real life situations, but I can attest to, I can witness to, the way love fills our hearts and the way light can lead us through the worst and most horrific of times. Some of you may have heard in the past, have heard me refer to times I had in El Salvador during the war years in the 1980s. It was a time when death squads were killing thousands and thousands of Christians and labor union workers, the days of Oscar Romero, 
the Jesuits, the Roman Catholic sisters, all of those who became martyrs as they lived out the word of Christ in what came, became to be known as liberation theology. I was in the midst of those times, first as a member of the first peace delegation from America to El Salvador, and on many other occasions. The first trip, I can tell you truthfully, I was so frozen with fear, with all I heard or read, and I was fluent at the time in Spanish, so I could understand what many missed. I was so frozen that I wanted to crawl under my bed and wait for the time to go back to the airport and leave forever. However, I didn't. And that day, en route to the town of Sushitoto, where they were having a national celebration, which made our leader think we might be able to travel safely, our little van of six Americans was stopped at the third checkpoint. We were silently motioned out of the van, lined up on the side of the road with jungle behind us and the guns in front of us, men and women separated. It became clear what was going to happen next with leers and movements as the soldiers removed their bands of bullets and belts. Then, then again in silence, we were motioned back into the van. Our water was taken and we went forward into Sushitoto. We had been told to be discreet, to not draw attention to ourselves. I had fear no longer. I was filled with joy. I had found how those who had been meeting, we had been meeting with, those who had lost their lives and their faith had lived in joy amidst the death surrounding them. At one point, I bought a soft drink from a woman and began a conversation with her which led her to take me to her home to meet her family and then back into the plaza where she introduced me to her daughter Iris who was in a little band. The band surrounded me and gave me a private but of course very loud performance. My favorite photo of the day is of a woman holding her twins with soldiers running from me and my camera. I know, I know how a people, a people of faith can and have and will be able to conquer all negative emotions and work for the promise of love and light in Christ. I've experienced it many times. I'm really not a person who goes looking for trouble, but I seem to have been in places where trouble took place, and each time each time this happened, it reinforced my sense that a life lived in joy versus a life lived in fear or a sense of hopelessness is how one is able to truly live no matter, no matter the circumstances. Fortunately, we are not surrounded by death squads, but we certainly are living in a time where fear can and does take over. Recently, a young man told me he's thinking of leaving Portland as he fears he'll be shot driving down the highway. I've heard despair in so many voices and so many stories these recent years. But we can't all leave our homes. 
our place, a city, nation we have loved. Rather, we can unify in our love and live it out in the world. All Saints has done this by opening our doors to those in need, by our food pantry, our mustard seed and meals programs, by the classroom of children who meet here, by so many individual and group projects. We live our love in so many ways, in ways that touch people in ways we may never know, through our music and art and our Episcopal traditions that run through our services like a heartbeat of our common faith. Our rector, Reverend Andrea, your assisting priests, Reverend Deborah and I, and our deacons, Reverend Deacon Linda and Maureen, are here to serve you, to listen to you, to support you in whatever way may be helpful. No one should walk alone on whatever difficult path is before them, for we are a community of faith, individuals gathered as one in Christ, and that means something. It means something if we accept and act upon it and give meaning to the meaningless moments like this. Walk in love knowing Christ will support you when you are weak. Walk in love when you are strong and ready to support others. Walk in love. Sometimes and some days, that really is the most most of us can do, and it is enough, for it is all. It is all that life really calls for and needs from each one of us. Love, love, and more love, in the name of Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast offering from All Saints Episcopal Church in Portland. For more resources from All Saints, or to support this or our many other outreach ministries, please visit allsaintspdx.org.